Good evening. Good evening. It's that time again. Welcome to another edition of Folks Talking Sports, sponsored by the Saxenian family. And right now it's me. I'm your host, one of the hosts, Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review. Joining me are the two youngsters, the future of the program going forward eventually. James Mueller from the Daily Cougar, who is right now at Fertitta Center, getting ready for the 8 p.m. tip-off between the Houston Cougars men's basketball team and the UCF Knights. We'll be joining, I'll be there eventually. And also Angie S from Paul Samajama, Community Impact Newspaper. He's becoming a Jamaican with all his jobs and hats. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, Chris? Doing great. James, how are you, sir? Doing well, doing well. All right, let's just get right to it. Your background noise. That's all right. We're going to, hey, this is no, live. I, I said I miss it. Oh, yeah, you I miss, miss it, yeah. A little bit. This, this is going to be fun, though. Um, let's get right into it. James is there. Uh, the game's going to be on ESPN2. Houston Cougars is trying to snap a two-game losing streak, coming off a road loss at SMU and a home loss at Memphis. First time they've lost two straight games since January 2017. That's five years, which is beyond impressive. And Coach Sampson, that's that's movie-type stuff. And it really is to go that long. But what are your thoughts on it? Tonight's game, uh, Andy, you first. Yeah, like you, um, I guess this is kind of a chance to do some cross-promotion. <laughs> in terms of you joining us, uh, or you joining me as a co special guest co-host for Pots Time and Jam, like, like, like you mentioned, uh, head coach Carmen Sampson talked a little bit about kind of, uh, how different UCF, uh, in, the, in terms of the style that they're going to be playing, um, said that he, it'll be likely that they see a lot more of a, a four guard lineup against U of H, which is interesting. Like we mentioned, when, it, when I hear that, it makes me think that UCF wants to get up and down the court. They want to pick up the tempo. They want to push the pace, which, also, would not surprise me if UCF goes to what Memphis did early on and literally press U of H from, from the start to try to get them to, to control the tempo of the game and just try to make U H to make a lot of uh, those unforced turnovers that they had, those unforced errors that they had against Memphis where they literally first seven minutes, seven turnovers, that's, that's not a recipe for success. Um, and really, it's going to come down. I'm going to be interested to see which team can impose their will in the game because you know, we mentioned that Houston wants to slow it down. They want to feed it down low to Fabian White, Josh Carlton. Um, they they want to run the offense through them and have Jamal Shedd and Kyler Edwards, maybe someone else, have them set up their bigs. So it's going to be a little bit of style of clash. So I'm going to be interested to see who who can win that, who can impose their will on the game. And again, James thoughts just a second, but Willie Gibson, the other member of the the now foursome has joined us. So, Mr. Gibson, how are you, sir? I'm well, gentlemen. How are you? Doing well. And he's in Ohio, and he'll be, uh, these next few days for him will be NBA field because he'll be at the all-star festivities and all those great things. So, man, you may have to do a, a show from some, somewhere around there, man. Let's see how to make that work. It'll be too, too loud and noisy. We'll figure something out okay. for that. But, uh, James, if it's not too noisy there, what are your thoughts on Houston's two-game losing streak and what they need to do, in your opinion, to snap the streak and start a new streak tonight against UCF. Yeah, I mean, I figured the losing streak, or I didn't necessarily anticipate them losing both games last week, but I figured that, like I texted you before that's a new game, I thought they'd lose that one at least. Um, we knew it was going to happen at some point. Um, just without Marcus Sasser, Tremont Mark, um, there, was, there was at some point they were going to fold. Um, but I think 
tonight's th- uh, we'll see them bounce back. I don't see them losing three in a row. Um, I think they'll come out, send a message early, and uh, win by double digits. And, Will, I'm going to toss this to you. I had a chance to speak with ESPN's Mark Adams. I'm going to get everybody's panel thoughts on it. Uh, Mark Adams spoke with him about the conference, the American Athletic Conference, and specifically U of H, Memphis, uh, Temple, Tulane, and SMU. But one of the things that we talked about was how he thought Coach Sampson could control the tempo and not allow teams to play fast because with lack of really guards, lack of guard depth, it's important for U of H to control the tempo. Coach Sam trying to figure out a way for his guys to have fresh legs in the last four or five minutes of the ball game because that really hurt them in both games against SMU and Memphis. And Will, you first on this. One of the things that Mark said is use, use your timeouts. Early, sometimes, you know, not just wait for the media timeout. But he also said if you have to play a big lineup for bigs, because they, they're, de- they're deep up front. Mm-hmm. And if that means having one of the bigs as the second guard, just be a huge lineup, so be it for a minute or two. But also, if that means playing a walk on for a minute or two early in the game to do so. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, he's on the, I mean, Utilize your team. I mean, your your depth has been uh, adversely affected by injury, and so you know the walk-ons have been in practice every day. I, I take it they've been in film session, they've been in team meeting. If they're prepared, now I'm not saying play a walk-on for the sake of playing a walk-on, but if they're prepared to play, yeah, for a spot duty here, a minute or two there to give your, as you said, keep your legs fresh. As you said, keep your legs fresh. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. Andy, what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Could you see Andy and James? Could you see? I don't think Kelvin's going to do it, but do you think he could, should consider playing Ryan Elvin a minute or two in the first half? Playing Robbie Armbrester a minute or two in the first half, just to give Kyla Edwards a minute rest, Tyze Morris just some rest early in the game. What do you think? Thoughts on that? I'll go first. I think uh, it's certainly an interesting um, decision that 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 you threw out there. I think early on, really, with Kyler Edwards and Tajay Moore would really be the only two that I feel like could benefit from it. Uh, a minute there, you have to be strategic about it. And again, it goes back to going to if you. It, it depends on how the game goes. If UH can control the tempo, slow it down, then all for it. If they're controlling the tempo, I mean, what is it? It's a thirty-second shot clock. That that's what two possessions of you can control the style of the game. Yeah, I'd, I'd say go for it now. If UCF is pressing, they're forcing the U of H to have to run up and down the court, be, play a, a fast up tempo style, and you can't really do it, which is it, it's kind of hard because that's going to make the 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 main guys get tired quicker. So you you that's really when they need um, to have sub outs, but. If UCF is controlling the tempo, I don't think you can just because, well, one, really, you, you need kind of help for Jamal Shedd and get him some rest. Ryan Elvin can't uh, run the offense for Houston. Robbie Armbrester can't run the offense for Houston. I could see it for Kyler Edwards and Tajay Moore, but at the same time, 
it's a bit of a risk, especially if UCF is, especially if it's much more of an obstacle type of game because ball gets, gets into the hands of Ryan Alvin, gets into the hand of Robbie Armbrester. You're probably already going to have Ramon Walker out there too. Uh, you get to the point where you don't want too many of those uh, inexperienced and, and um, players that aren't used to playing those bulk of the minutes, even if it is for stretches, for spotty stretches. James, what are your thoughts on Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard for anyone to any one guy, no matter, you know, how athletic, how in, in shape they are to play, you know, 38 to 40 minutes a night, which is what Kyler Edwards has been doing a lot. Jamal has played a lot like that. Um, if I was Kelvin Sampson, I would look for areas close to media timeout. So, you know, if there's a foul 20 seconds before a media timeout, maybe throw Robbie Armbruster in there and take Kyler Edwards out. So you're giving him those however long it takes to get to the media timeout plus the media timeout. So you're giving him just a little bit of an extra breather. Um, that's areas where I would look to, you know, j- just give him a little extra rest. Um, but yeah, I agree with what um, Mark said with you that, you know, th- they should be creative and trying to find little ways to do that because you want these, you want your best players, you know, rested when, when you, when it comes to March. Um, and so to find any way to get them a little bit of rest throughout the regular season uh, is a good idea. I, I, I agree with everyone, everything Job said. Uh, there's ways to do it, I think. And clearly you need to give Jamal Shed some rest. You've got to rotate him in. If Robbie comes in, if, if Ramon walk, Ramon will be the first sub. Ramon will come in for Taze Moore. Okay. Um, then Taze gets his rest. Taze come in for Jamal. And then if you want to toss in Robbie on breast for, for Kyler or Jamal comes in for Tyler. For, for Kyler Edwards. Rotate it in. It's got to be a way to do it. Okay. Robbie Armbrester is, he was a Draymond Green type player in high school. So he's learning and still learning to, how to be a guard. So he's not great at decision making, none of that stuff. I would not ask him to lead the offense, run the offense, none of that. I would ask him to just, Robbie, play defense. Don't get in the way. If you get rebound, get it. But Jamal, you run the offense. Taze, you run the offense. Whoever is the guard, the lead guard, you, you control the offense. The ball's in your hands. Robert, you just play defense and that's all I need you to do. Just give me a minute of defense and that's it. Okay? If you get a foul, I don't care. If you get a foul, let's play good defense. Give me, give, give your teammates a rest. We'll rotate it out. And if you can do it for a minute or two early in the second half, you know, do so. If it means Jawan Roberts at the three and Fabian at the two for a minute with uh, Reggie Chaney and Josh Carlton, you know, or J.B. Francis, give him a minute to spell Josh Carlton, whatever, to spread it out. Clearly, Kevin Sampson is a Hall of Fame coach. He knows more than all of us will ever, you know, <laughs> he'll forget more than we'll ever know. But there's got to be a way to figure out some type of way to manage the minutes better so the guys are fresher down the stretch in the closing moments because they can't play fast for a whole game. Teams want them to do that. They want SMU was good with, okay, we got you playing our pace. Great. But they can't do it for 40 minutes. So when they start slowing down, let's get tired, then we got it. So they got to control the tempo. They got to control the pace. That goes for everybody. U of H faces now from here on out. Rest of the rest of the conference play. Wichita State Sunday is going to be a tough matchup. 
because of pace, because of guards. So we'll see how it all starts starts tonight. Let's just get right to it because we're going to try to squeeze everything in to be done by seven. I think the spread, Andy, I think I saw it was like 14. U of H minus 14, something like that. I think I saw it on the ticker today or something. And I, I was kind of surprised how large it was. But uh, if it's 14, I take UCF. <laughs> I think Houston will win maybe by 9 or 10. Getting above that, nah, I don't know about all that. But we'll see. I mean, because one thing got to take into account, UCF has revenge on their mind because used to beat them in the previous matchup this season. So that's some pride will kick in. So it's going to be a tough matchup there. And tidbit, Will, did you know that UCF was the first team to beat Houston inside the Center? I did not. The first L handed to U of H men's hoops was courtesy of UCF. Nasty televised game. I want to say it was ESPN and game day were, were here. It was hype. Saturday, uh, winning streak was on the line, all this kind of stuff. And UCF won by five. Packed house. I mean, just filled to the rafters, everything. But. Was Taco there? Or was that? I think Taco I, was there. Yeah. Taco, Taco was, was there, part yeah. of that team. And I think Aubrey Dawkins was there. It was that. Might have been a team that almost beat Duke, I think, in the tournament. So, but uh, yeah, Houston is favored by thirteen and a half. Um, the the over under is actually interesting too. The over under is at one thirty six and a half. One thirty six and a half divided by two. That's that's less. That's about seventy sixty six around there. Uh, yeah, if it gets above eighty. UVA probably won't win. You know, so, and that was a problem they had against SMU. SMU, prior to Memphis, two or three, uh, two of three, two out of three of Houston's losses, uh, they gave up Alabama was 83 and SMU scored in the 80s. So defense, tempo is key. So they got to control tempo, slow things down. And if it's ugly, so what? Their defense is still legit. I think it's still Percentage-wise, one of the tops in the country, just not the last two, last two games. So, uh, James, if you can hear us, and the music's died down a little bit, we're gonna shift gears. Well, you're gonna love this. Andy, I hope you saw it too, cause I'm used, to, well, I won't say that, what I was gonna say. Um, football schedule was announced today. Well, Will, well, let me see if I can pull it up here, Will. Okay. Check this. Check this titanically tough schedule. Just gonna run through it. Full of, full of awesome matchups from the beginning to the end. Just top 25 matchups all over the place, Will. All over the two place. Two big 12, two big 12 apart. All over the place, Will. I mean, it's the toughest schedule ever two made. Ever made, ever made. First, September 3rd at UTSA. Cool. September 10th at Texas Tech. September 17th, home for Kansas. So that's your two big 12, Texas Tech and Kansas. September 24th, home for Rice. Four non-conference powerhouses there, Will. Powerhouses. Yeah. Yeah. All right, next, September 29th or 30th 
home versus Tulane. October 7th at Memphis. October 22nd, is this right? At 22nd, I mean, they got two weeks off? 22nd? At Navy. October 29th, home versus USF. November 5th, at SMU. November 12th, home for Temple. November 19th, at East Carolina. And then either November 25th or 26th, home versus Tulsa. And then the American Football Conference Championship, Saturday, December 3rd. Will, what team is missing from that schedule? Cincinnati. Andy, what team was missing from this year's schedule? Uh, in addition to Cincinnati, they're also missing UCF. Yes. So two of the toughest teams in the other division of the America, once again, don't play Houston. Why not? What, what, what is this? Is this Michael Oresco, as Andy likes to call him now, <laughs> Commissioner Michael Oresco? Um, what's up with this? This schedule is soft. Okay, yes, Tech and Kansas are Big 12 teams, yes. Kansas, Kansas football is, please. Okay. Once again, this schedule is made, is designed to go, James. I told, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, to, I told uh, one of my friends there's no reason they shouldn't go 12 and 0, honestly. Uh, you look at the, like they're avoiding Cincinnati and UCF, and then the non conference schedule is about as easy as last year. You're replacing Grambling with Kansas, but that's not much of an upgrade. And then UTSA. I mean, they had a good year last year, but, I mean, you have better athletes. You should beat them handily. But, James, you're counting them winning in Lubbock? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow, okay. That's going to be – I think that'll, that's certainly going to be the toughest – or it should be the toughest non-conference game on the schedule. It, it, and they couldn't beat it on a neutral site. Right. It should be. But, Will. Yes, sir. What are your – What are your, give me a prediction. Will you go – as far as Mr. Mueller go 12 and 0 undefeated? No, I won't. Cause injury, something will happen. Um, don't sleep on Kansas. Lance Leopold is doing some things down there. He's, he's turning the program around. Yes. He but it's a Texas. home game. And, and next, next, next comment about this schedule of the home opponents. Any of these home opponents? Think you'll get twenty thousand people to come see him? Twenty? <laughs> yeah, twenty thousand. I think they'll get twenty. Um, no more than like twenty-six to twenty-eight. Though. Yeah, I think they'll cap off of what they have the last few seasons, which is like like James said at that twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven k mark. Um, I think I think twenty might be setting the the bar a little low, but um and and, and look at Will shake his head. Okay. Twenty oh, okay. Will. Twenty Will, to, Will twenty to twenty eight thousand. Twenty to twenty eight thousand, okay. And let me let me also note this. Um how many what's what's the capacity of the stadium? Forty. Forty. Forty thousand. Okay. okay, go ahead. Yeah. So half full. <laughs> that's what I, yeah, that's, yeah. Have to not quite three quarters full, but 28 is not quite 30. So yeah. 
you know, kickoff, kickoff time for the first three weeks of the season are typically determined by mid-June. And then after that, for games past the first three weeks, kickoff times will be set by the conference TV partners 12 days out or in some cases six days out. But yeah, 20 to 28,000. And back to one of my issues with UH alums. Any of these opponents on the home schedule, will people want to see them instead of U of H? No. Looking down the, the, the schedule, they, Kansas, Rice, Tulane, USF, Temple, Tulsa, those are all the home games for the season. And not, not a single one is marquee. I mean, the UH fans did a good job traveling to Rice this past season, so maybe that one will draw, but we won't draw Tulane. Rice fans. <laughs> well, true. And the Thursday and Friday, uh, Thursday or Friday game that'll be against Tulane. I don't know, literally the past two, three seasons, each time, the last three seasons that I've covered them, each time that they have to play Tulane, it's always on a Thursday or on a, it's always on a short week, which is interesting. Um, maybe it was a full weekend to be able to, to lure in more fans. But yeah, these, these home games aren't, aren't any marquee draws. And I think that's a problem. It's a concern when you're trying to increase revenue going into the Big 12. These home games, yawn, yawn, yawn. That, that Kansas home game will. <laughs> at least, at least it's a Saturday, at least. Right. You know, as opposed to Thursday or Friday, because if that were a Thursday, Friday game against Kansas, we might be the crowd. I mean, you know, so I, I just don't know what can be done to drum up interest for the football team. If they, with that schedule, oh, what, what they have coming back, uh, returning, eight and four is a failure. I don't know what to drum up interest. Play Texas. Oh, it sure would drum up Texas interest. Texas is not going to come. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to come. But you know what would also drum up interest instead of playing Rice? Play Jackson State. No chance UH would mm. schedule that. Oh, uh, no doubt. No chance. It's a, but I mean. <laughs> you'd have more that, interest nationally. You'd have more interest from more people buy tickets. You know, I mean, rice football. And it's this shade on rice football. You know, it's not great football. It's not big time football. They go in cycles. Yes, Jackson State is, is, what is it? FCS, whatever, but you'd have a bigger crowd. I feel certain of that. U of H would still win, but you'd have would, a bigger crowd. Would they? That's think, the thing. That's a, <laughs> it, it, it would be it probably win. close in the first half, especially the first quarter. Because Shadur Sanders, a quarterback, you know, he ain't too shabby. And Dion is building up the offensive line at Jackson State. But uh, we'd have to look at it. I wonder who has more um, top 300 players, <laughs> top 300 signees. Is it, is it Jackson State or is it U of H? That's a question to find out. Really, I'm kind of curious. But it's not going to happen. They're not, they're not going to schedule 
you know, the, the Bayou Bucket, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. No you one know, cares. What they should try to do, what they almost got to do on the, the COVID year, is try to see if they can schedule something with Baylor, or, which might not be the case after the way that ended. But why don't try to schedule one of those other interstate rivalries? I mean, they they have something with Texas Tech. Maybe try to call Baylor again. I don't know if they can possibly try to figure something out. Well, TCU, I mean, what's that relationship like? Yeah, it's it's too late in the game now. For they should have thought of that previous cool. years. Didn't you say they had two weeks off, Houston? What, what's yeah. uh, what's uh, October twenty second look like? They got Navy. Oh, is it? Where's the window? Uh. Yeah, they play Memphis on October seventh. October seventh. They have their bye. So, so yeah, didn't have a week off. Just one week off. The Memphis game is on a Friday, so that's why it looked different. But, yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, the October fifteenth, they they're off. Maybe Jackson State is at Bethune Cookman. Maybe that can be moved. I'm I'm. Don't listen to me. I'm just looking at the schedule. I'm looking at Jackson State's schedule. Like, hmm. okay. But yeah, uh, as D Skills A Sound says. That home game against Temple, Saturday, November twelfth, probably gonna be cold, chilly. Ain't, ain't nobody here about playing Temple. What's cold and chilly? Man? You know, well, to to here, we we come up with any any reason if it's it's too hot. The way the stadium's built, sun's in your eyes. Well, too hot, too humid. I can't. I don't want to go there. I watch it on TV. Then it get too cold. Oh, it's too cold. <laughs> you know. So we we have built in. Excuses for not going to to uh, football games, but that November twenty sixth game against Tulsa probably to be empty too because it's uh, and Tulsa is struggling football wise. So yeah, it'll be right in the midst of Thanksgiving. Yeah, you know, no one will be on campus. Let me me put it up because he's being funny, but for the unexpected crowd for that for USF. You know, it's the schedule is not designed for large crowds. Okay, Houston football fans, U H football fans are fickle. This schedule is not going to intrigue them. Um, it's made for wins, made to get wins. So let's get right into it. Andy and I talked about it on Paul Samajama this week. Dana Hogerson's contract. James, if you can still hear us, you can talk back before it gets too deafening over there at Fertitta Center. What are your thoughts on, on the contract? Well, I mean, I was not expecting an extension, but I get why they're doing it. Like, if they believe that he's the guy, then I get extending him going into the Big 12 to just sort of solidify something. Um, I was not expecting something to be signed um, this offseason, but um, I still don't know. They still haven't released, like, you know, the final details so of, like, the actual financial aspect of the contract. But from what Dana said, it's a long-term deal, so I'll, I'm interested to see what that is. Um, but it shows that, you know, they're committed to Dana. They think he's the guy to lead him into the Big 12. Um, so we'll see how it goes. But um, I was a little surprised. And I'm going to say this, and I mentioned it. Well, I want to get your thoughts on this because I, I said it to Andy <laughs> as well during Pasta and Majama. One of my issues, first things first, mm-hmm. props to Dana's agent. Okay, get, secure that bag. He put the clause in for renegotiation if they go into a Power Five conference. 
that would kick in automatic renegotiation. Kudos to the agent for doing that. UH, UH administration was desperate. They wanted to get a quote unquote big name coach. So they, they agreed to those terms. I want to know why did they leak this last Saturday, the day UH basketball was playing a game? Somebody in the athletic department wasn't paying attention. You know, it was UH Memphis, two of the top two, no, so, sorry, SMU, two of the top teams nationally recognized basketball teams for your conference about to play on ABC. And y'all decide to leak football news. That could, that could have waited till Sunday. Because nothing was official and technically, I mean, really nothing has been official except Dana's commented on it. And his comment was kind of, some folks don't like it. Well, you know, things are different now when I first, first hired. Okay. That could have waited until Sunday. So once again, that to me just says basketball. Yep, y'all made the final four, but football's still king here, despite our coach finally having one, have, having one winning season. So we're going to tie him, lock him in long term and rain on your parade. But here we go. Yes, football is going to be king, despite having, uh, stadiums filled at maybe 50 to 60%. That bought, that rubbed me the wrong way and still does. Okay. Y'all couldn't wait to do this until Sunday. So, but yeah, Dana's agent, good for Dana. I also wonder, with Luke Fickle's contract set to be ratified, I guess a better word, on the 22nd, I think, by the board. Yep. If Dana's has a contract, has a clause in it that says he must be the highest paid coach in, what is it, Andy, that Michael Oresco hates? Group of five. Group of five. So, since Will... Luke Fickle is not going to get five million per. Does Dana's contract say, okay, I need to get five million in one? So I wonder, we'll find out about that, see that later on. But I'm not a Dana fan. Dana has not done a great job against teams winning records. And this schedule that is coming up for this coming season, it's not a tough schedule. It's designed for him to win games and Beat teams that probably be 500 at best. And then what? Okay. Let's go to the Big 12. We're ready. No, we ain't. <laughs> no, we're, no, we're not. No, we ain't. But, Will, just what are your thoughts on what I said about why Saturday make the announcement? Why not wait? Yeah, some that's I'm, 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 I'm parsing my words because I wanted to say like two things. I, I stopped myself. Yeah, that's, that's, somebody wasn't paying attention. There's, there's, there's no, you, you want to be a big time program, but then you, you know, you want to be big, but little got you, if that makes sense. Because you want to be a big time program, but then you go your time in the spotlight. You're it, ABC, Saturday afternoon window, home game against Memphis, and you announced the football coach gets an extension. For what? For who? For what? Did they talk about it during the game? I don't know. 
you tell me, did 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 uh, did he talk about it during the basketball game? Because you were watching to see the great seats. I, right? I, I I had it on. I didn't have volume on. Habit I have. I don't. I didn't watch analysts. I watched the game. I didn't have sound, so I don't know. I did watch the game though, and I didn't see the great seats. Every every angle they showed was was crowd. I didn't see the great seats we talked about. Yeah, it was it was it was full. <clears throat> I think there were some empty seats higher up, but that they get it. The money folks were there. Okay. Saturday because they probably wanted to be seen. Okay. You know, so yeah, they were there. They probably won't be here there tonight. You know, weeknight game, late late start, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they won't be there for this one. But yeah, they were there Saturday. But okay, let's just uh, go back to what B skills H downs. Posits. You wanted ABC to talk about it during the game. So he brings up this. So they're trying to make it an event. They wanted, that's why Dana did the intro. Did he do a good job of it? Was it kind of lame too? I kind of, kind of bad. He didn't great, great at that either. But, um, how did he sound? <clears throat> cause I wasn't there. I got there late, like I always do, you know, cause I leave, make sure my mom is good before I go to a game now. So. <clears throat> I mean, he was very energetic and loud, and the crowd enjoyed it. Um, it was definitely one of the more interesting uh, news house chants, but um, yeah. And he called out Memphis. He called out the Memphis players. Okay. What did he say? Well, because he saw some Memphis players, like, uh, basically saying F Houston in the tunnel before. Um, and so he was like, I heard what they were saying in the tunnel. Uh, we need to go out and beat them um, and stuff like that. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> you know, the smack talk from, from players. So what? Players, gonna, they're going to talk trash. That's part of what they do. You know, for Dana to make a big, bigger deal out of it. Yeah. That's not the reason why Memphis got out to the off to the 15-4 start. UH had a slow start. It was the turnovers because I think UH had seven turnovers and four points there for a while. So that was a problem. But, you know, how about this? Is there a clause or should there be a clause in Dana's contract tied to attendance? <laughs> Will? If, if Dana, if season ticket numbers because we talk about 20,000 to 28,000 attendance, that's not season ticket numbers. It needs to be. UH, if you had to get to a point where 20,000, they have 20,000 season tickets, that's pretty good. That means half your stadium tickets have been purchased. But should they, should, they have, should there be a clause in the contract tied to that? Um, I'm speaking totally out of school because I'm, I'm, Where, where I am, that's not an issue. Selling out, season tickets, things like that. So should he have a clause in his contract? No, because he's supposed to. He's doing his job. He's winning. It's not, okay. It's not his job. It's the job of marketing. Yeah. I mean, that's what you're he, saying? If he wins, no, I'm saying if he wins, they will come. So prepare you to win. Prepare you to coach young men. To win, so I mean, obviously you get a bonus if you win the conference championship. You get the bonus 
if you it's a buck out there. But um I'm sorry. That's but, that, uh, but that's that's legit. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you 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 know, you make the CFP. Okay, that's a bonus. Okay, you win your conference championship game. Okay, that's a bonus. But people came to the game. They're supposed to come to the game. True. And winning, you would think, would help. Won't help at U of H. Won't help. Yeah. Um, these opponents on the schedule don't, do not help. It's not the Big 12 yet. And I'm not sure how much is going to help being in the Big 12. I'm kind of curious to see what the ticket sales will be and the attendance will be once UH gets into the Big 12. So that's because one reason I think will be because a lot of fans will want to see the opponents, the Big 12 teams, rather than just UH football. And also you'll have like Baylor fans will travel down for the game and add an extra 5,000 seats or whatever, uh, especially these in Texas. And maybe more than because if they're, if the tickets are still available, you might have five, 10,000 Baylor fans, TCU fans, maybe not so many traveling from Lubbock, but, but the alums, the tech alums who live here might go to the game and for a few thousand. So it's going to be interesting to see how many Alums from the Texas schools, the Big 12 Texas schools, will attend the games at TDECU Stadium once UH is a member in the Big 12. Well, we're going to talk shift gears because I want to touch on this. Your favorite women's basketball coach, Mr. Gibson. Hey, I saw you. I saw you. I mean, I'll let you say it. I saw that. Go ahead. Yeah, because um, Mr. Yanez had a, a great response to it. Uh, coach Ronald Huey. UH beat East Carolina last night, Wednesday night, at home, 67-55. It's Coach Huey's 100th win in his coaching career at UH. Well, I think head coaching career, period. Oh. 100 wins, Will. And how long has he been there? See, now you, see, now, there you go. Now you go. Andy, go ahead. He joined the, the University of Houston in 2014. So this is year eight? Yes. Year eight. Do the math, Will. Do the math. Wow. So, I don't know, 12 wins a year? Right? 12 and a half. 12 and a half wins 12 a year. 12 and a half wins a year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Celebrating that, huh? So, and let me post this comment. Before, let me get back to Coach Huey's discussion regarding football tennis. First year Big 12 numbers will probably do well. They should do well because of the buzz and all that kind of stuff. And then after that, I think they'll go down. Yeah. I, I agree with that. But, yes. Because Andy sent me a, a message that uh, Chris Pesman uh, recognized, congratulated Coach Huey for the accomplishment of getting 100, reaching 100 wins. But as we've said right here on Folk Talking Sports, it took him eight years to do it. James, it took him eight years to do it. He has 100 wins, 134 losses. They're not going to the NCAA tournament this year, barring winning the conference championship, which none of us think they're going to do. But yes, let's congratulate Coach Shui for win number 100. 
James, if you can hear us, is that a big deal? Getting win number 100 at year eight? I mean, I don't, I, I mean, not really to me. I mean, it's been eight years. You should have gotten there a while ago. And the first thing that popped into my head when I saw that was, you know, it took eight years in the American. That would, that probably 12 years in the Big 12 if they, like, because the competition's a lot better. So, I mean. That comment right there, the bar is lower than low. Yeah. And Coach Huey is a good dude. Okay? That does not make him uh, a successful coach. They, if they don't get to the tournament this season, that'll be eight years of no trip to the NCAA tournament. What's, what, are, what are they waiting on? What, I mean, what's the, what's the rationale behind, behind it? You know, averaging 12 wins a year and 17 losses. That's okay. What, I don't get that. What is that? Go ahead, James. It shows that the administration doesn't really care about women's basketball here at Houston. Like, Andy? Yeah, like I said, it, it, outside of football, outside of uh, men's basketball, the bar completely falls apart. And it's not just for women's basketball, it's for a lot of the other sports too. Now, obviously, they've had a lot of success with swimming and, and track and, and those programs, but uh, softball's had a couple of seasons. I know they had a, a good year before the pandemic, had a bit of a rough stretch. Baseball's kind of hit a, a funk, so it'll be interesting to see what they do this season. But it's not just for women's basketball, it's kind of, Outside of those top two programs, it's kind of everything else is honestly kind of like an afterthought. And let me read this comment. Uh, it's on the screen now. Got to do a better job of this because the audio version for podcast purposes, you know, you can't, you won't, you're not looking at it. You don't know what's on the screen. But my condolences for the women's basketball program once the Big 12 transition comes. And that's a, a tearful laughing emoji. What are the records? What are the, what, what's their record this season? They are 12 and 12 overall. And what are they in, in conference? It's not, they're under 500 in conference. So five, two and, two five and two, seven, maybe. Two winning I seasons out of eight. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'm looking at, okay. Six wins, six wins. Okay. You, you came, you turned the program around. Six wins, six wins. 12 wins, 20 wins. Okay. Maybe. 15, 12, 17, now 12. And after that... Five and seven in conference. Five and seven. So, yeah, after that 20-win season, I think he got his first contract extension. And and players, key players left the program. Wow. What was it? Him? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. We don't. We don't really know. But uh, J- Jasmine Harris was. I think she had issues off the court as well. Okay. But she was picked to the All Conference first team. And with that's, with the and that's what UConn was in the conference. I think uh, right. I think that was the last year of UConn. But she was that talented. But then she left the program. 
It was Jasmine Harris and Angela Harris. Angela Harris transferred to Kansas State for her, I think, her last year college ball. So, and that season they lost their last five in a row. They finished twenty and twelve, but they lost they lost their last five in a row. Wow. Yep. And their the wins weren't. It wasn't a tough schedule to get those twenty wins because I don't I don't believe they were even on the bubble for the tournament. Despite the twenty wins, so and this and, this point is legit. Oh, and also to the win last night over East Carolina, the, the attendance, the announced attendance was three twenty, something like that, three hundred twenty, three twelve, whatever, something like that, in, in the three hundred. And when does when does when does Houston go to the Big Twelve? Twenty three. So. You got one more season, this final season, the 2022-23 season, and then July, hopefully July 1st, 2023. Okay, so I'm not a component. Uh, I'm not a proponent for calling for anybody's job. I'm not. However, what I will say is this. If you want to do it, this is the season because you will want to give that coach a year. Yes. Say it again. Dallas themselves. Going into the Big 12. Say it again. Because okay. while you say that, I'm going to put this comment up from King Jaja or King Haha. Peasant needs to give Sydney Carter a blank check from AM to save the program. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I covered AM when Sydney played AM. I, that was the year, Andy. I won't do it again. When I flew back and forth, when the men's final four was here in Houston and women's was Indian, Indianapolis and the Aggies won in 2011 for the championship. I was there to see the Aggies win the championship and Sidney Carter and Sidney Colson were on that squad. And I'm not sure if Sidney Carter is had enough coaching experience to lead a program yet, but even if she's not, and I'm kind of curious if, if this is uh, Gary Blair's last year as a head coach, he's going to step down. So I'm kind of curious to see. If Sydney would stay on the staff of whoever the next coach is at A&M or look to go elsewhere. So that'd be kind of interesting there. But trust me when I say this, everybody watching, listening, my, my guys here, this job is in demand. The U.S. women's basketball job is in demand, has been in demand, will continue being in demand, probably even more so now because of the move to the Big 12. The talent in this city, the area, the state, facilities are pretty, pretty legit compared to other women's basketball programs, even some, Andy, Power 5 programs, <clears throat> they're on par with them. But the results aren't there. So I used to get texts from coaches, when are they going to make a change? You know, man, is the job open? I'll take the job. <laughs> I can turn it around. I used to get that. Go to Final Four every year. What are they doing in Houston? They gonna open it up? Man, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I wish they would. You know, because the goal is to get to the NCAA tournament. That's the goal. I think. If yeah. it's not, then just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> you know. And James, Andy, Will, y'all know. All of us know. King knows. These skills knows. Women's athletics, they're not money makers, okay? Profit makers. Say profit. 
But some money is better than no money. Yeah. And if you get two, three, four thousand people in Fertitta Center to watch women's basketball in the Big 12, that's a start of putting, you know, some success and some funds in the back in the program. Because those fans will they'll buy concessions, they'll buy some merch gear, all those things. And if you're winning too, then maybe that four thousand becomes five thousand. You know, and five thousand inside Fertitta Center for a women's basketball game? It's supposed to be rocking. There are girls' high school games that have larger crowds than U8, well hell, all college teams pretty much, women's college teams in town. High school games. I mean, what are they averaging? Like between three to five hundred, something like that. Yeah, basically, five hundred is probably a stretch, but the average, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's mostly parents, parents of uh, student athletes. Sometimes schools that they uh, give tickets to. Sometimes opposing fans. I remember, uh, and again, this was during COVID, but I mean, it was a good amount of USF fans that had traveled uh, for that game when Houston beat USF last season. There you go. U.S. is going to start, have to start selling merch for opponents next season to make money. And they have to open up their their eyes and minds to different revenue streams, revenue ideas. And they need to reach out to advertising here, other outlets that are just the old outlets. Paul Samajama, other outlets that cover U.H. athletics. We have audiences too. Reach us also. Y'all got budgets? Contact us. But when Chris, could I add? Just yes. I I don't remember when, but we talked about you know how none we haven't seen a single like women's media basketball availability all year. Like that that's one easy way to change. Like the media is not even getting informed, like you said about it. So it's hard to promote the program when the media can't tell you anything about it. So that's one of the first steps that needs to change. And that's a great comment right here. They're making the Jordan brand look bad. That, that's, I don't know if, if any program has had the Jordan brand taken from, from them once they got it. But five and seven in conference, 500 records, no trip to the tournament, which means no chances in March to see the Jordan brand logo. On national, on national stage. So, what's the return on investment for the Jordan brand and UH women's basketball? Can't be very good right now. So, just thoughts to ponder there. And, uh, regarding Sydney Carter as head coach, I'm not sure she's ready to be head coach. Let me see if I can reach out to her and see what her, her thought process is about being a head coach. But I, I'm starting to get contact contacted again. Yo, man, let me know if the job becomes open. I mean, from across the country, okay, because of the impending move to the Big 12. Folks want this job. But let's shift gears these final few minutes. Will. Yes, sir. You got Jared Allen and Darius Garland from the Cavs representing uh, in the NBA All-Star. Thoughts on that? Uh, expected. Expected. Um, took Jared Allen a couple injury replacements to get there. But uh, 
Adam Silver had some media availability uh, this week, and he, he gave much kudos to the Cavs as far as building a super team the right way was one of his comments. Um, they had a rosy outlook to the team, and uh, he just gave them, you know, talked about how when the, the game was awarded, you like to have some representation and a team that's doing well at the break, leading into that all-star game in that city, and Cleveland's doing that. So, um, but Darius Garland, I mean, he, he's letting the world, letting the world know, and I think this weekend will be an extension of that or, or more of that, letting the, letting the, the basketball world know that he's arrived. And I must admit, I was one that when he was drafted at five, like, come on, man, it's, <laughs> six one point guard. We just dropped a six one point guard last year. What Kobe Altman, what are you doing? But uh I stand corrected. I stand corrected. Kobe Altman, he's doing it. Andy and James, how much, if at all, of the all star festivities are y'all gonna watch? Ooh. I I, I like Saturday night, uh, probably the three-point contest and the dunk contest, uh, especially uh, Jalen Green's going to be in the dunk contest, so that'll be something probably worth checking out from a local perspective, but uh, I'm not sure so much about the All-Star game. James? Yeah, similar to Andy, I'm more of a Saturday night guy just because the All-Star game is just an offensive game, no defense at all. Um, I might tune in for a little bit, but I'm more inclined to see what happens uh, Saturday night in the dunk contest, especially. Uh, I'm kind of like y'all. I'm not going to watch the game on Sunday. If you're taking a green, is in the dunk contest. And I think he, Al P, Alperin Shingun, and Jay Sean Tate are participating in the Rising Stars Challenge tomorrow. But the NBA does no favors for, for some of the players. There should not be games today. There should not be games scheduled today. Because Rockets play the Clippers tonight. In Los Angeles, correct. In L.A., 9.30 tip-off Houston time. And they have to turn around and And they got to go from, from L.A. to Cleveland to participate tomorrow night in the Rising Stars Challenge. Losing is Cleveland in Central Time or East Coast Time? Eastern. 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 So they're losing three hours going back to yep. Cleveland. And then they're going to to be in the dunk contest on Saturday. So just don't have games on Thursday. You know, have have all the games Wednesday. Make Thursday a travel day. And then you arrive for the events on Friday. But the league has, what, like six or seven games scheduled today. Maybe five to seven. That's ridiculous. And then you talk about, well, we we're concerned about the health of the players. Doesn't look like it. And some of the and some teams are done. They played yesterday, so they Cleveland already started. Cleveland played Tuesday. Cleveland yeah. played Tuesday. See, so you already have an unfair advantage. Detroit played last night. They're done until next uh, Wednesday or Thursday. But the Rockets and the Clippers are playing tonight. Might be the last game on the on the schedule before the All Star break. It is. Come on. Five games tonight. Five. Those five should have been should have been last night. Are right, we gonna wind it down? Okay. Uh, oh, one more question. 
Will's guy, Gene Smith, counterpoints with cold water on the Big Ten, the alliance, which is Big Ten, Pac-12, ACC, uh, reducing from nine conference games to eight. Pac-12 was kind of hoping for that because one less conference game, they could schedule a Big Ten opponent or, you know, another opponent, they could sell it for TV contract. But my, my thought is, my question to y'all, should the Big 12 be concerned or do something more to be a part of something? Should they, I mean, they got excluded from the alliance with the Big Ten, ACC, and the Pac-12, should... Go ahead, Will. You knew where they I'm going, have, because I just... Yeah, they can have the Big Ten spot in the alliance, because Gene Smith pretty much put that fire out yesterday. It's, it's, it was nice to talk, but he's not giving up a ninth game, a ninth conference game, yeah. to play USC or UCLA. I mean, and, and one of his comments was, and it's true, they need us more than we need them. Yeah. <laughs> no, no doubt there. So where does the Big 12 fit into this, James, if at all? Does the Big 12 fit into any conference alignment alliances for the benefit of the conference? I mean, like Will said, unless they can get into that alliance, I don't really see anything. The SEC doesn't need them. And then outside of that, you're not gaining much if you team up with the American or Mountain West. Or, I mean, there's not really another conference that you can team up with and actually strengthen yourself. Is is that a bad thing? Could that be a problem in future years? Or just let the Pac-12 kind of twist in the wind, you know, because they still believe and new commissioner still believes that their next TV deal, media rights deal, excuse me, media rights deal, it's going to be massive. It's going to be a huge success. Well, what if it's not? You know, the ACC is locked into a, a deal till 2035. Why they agreed to that, I have no idea. <laughs> but uh, Big Ten, SEC are the two, you know, top tier conferences. Is it possible that the Big 12 could maintain third tier status, third, third conference status and squeeze out the uh, Pac-12? Andy? Is it possible? Hmm. I guess you can never say nothing's impossible. But I, I wanted to go back to, uh, you said the point about the Big 12 and, and should they consider an alliance? Um, and honestly, like, kind of like James said, and, and, uh, I don't see that much of a benefit for the Big 12, especially once Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF join. It's, just look at it. If they do some sort of alliance with, uh, with the Pac-12, I mean, the majority of the schools are either going to be in Texas or, I mean, you even, add, you're even adding UCF. It's on the other side of the coast. What are you going to do? I don't. I don't think it'll benefit UCF to have to travel to California or even, you know, one of the other schools in the in the Mountain West time zone just to get one extra game during the season that may or may not uh, beef up your uh, a certain team's resume by the end of the season. Um, at the end, especially since they didn't even want to include the Big Twelve at the beginning, I'd say honestly they should just 
take it out. <laughs> make make them be the ones that that if they come knocking, then try to use it for leverage. But honestly, I don't think it, it'll benefit the Big Twelve significantly where they have to go chase it out now. If the Big Ten, Big Ten, or the SEC were involved, that's different. But just the the Pac-12 and even honestly, even the ACC, you know, outside of Clemson, and I don't see much benefit to it. Agreed, and we'll just we'll wrap it up there uh, because I want to give myself a chance to head over to Partita Center as well for tonight's 8 p.m. game between UH men's basketball and UCF. You know, game is being seen broadcast on ESPN too. But first to James, go to him, close it out before the music gets deafening up there for Tita Center. How can folks find you on uh, social media, James? Yeah, like always, you can follow me on Twitter at JDM2186 and then all my work regarding anything UH covered related is at thedailyfever.com. Appreciate it, James. I'll see you in a bit. Andy, how can folks find you, sir? Uh, on Twitter, they can find me on Aonev underscore five and James leaving through a wrench in our camera, but they can uh, find me on Twitter at Aonev underscore five. Also, be sure to check out the podcast pod, Slam a Jam on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else. Um, if they're interested in hearing more specifics regarding UH athletics, we, we mentioned we touched on um, the recent two-game losing streak for the men's basketball team. Talked a little bit about this upcoming matchup with UCF and kind of these opponents going forward. We talked about the women's basketball team who, hey, maybe they heard us because they did a completely 180 on offense uh, last night, uh, shooting over 50% from the field and like assisting on 20 of their 27 made baskets was, uh, it was a good offensive performance. And then we also touched a little bit more about Dana Holgerson's contract, a reported contract extension to stay in Houston. Mr. Willie Gibson, how can folks find you on social media, sir? Uh, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Will Gibson Seven, uh, Facebook Will Knows uh, Facebook page, and uh, those are the opportunities to find me. And I'm uh, KG Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review. Find me on Twitter at the T H E H R Review, Houston Round Ball Review, on Instagram and YouTube. Rocket fans, I'll be having a uh, another Let's Talk Houston Rockets Friday. Tomorrow, February 18th at 7 p.m. Central Time. And I think the Rising Stars game starts at 8, whatever, try to be done before that, before that game, if y'all want to watch it. But, uh, yes, I'm on Twitter, the, the HR Review, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram and YouTube, HoustonRoundBarReview.com, ZHRR.com. Been around since 1994. Local name. Global perspective and uh, fellas will touch base for our next show in a few days. And also folks, if you don't follow us, follow the show Twitter account, follow us at folks talk sports on Twitter for updates on our next show clips, all good things like that. If you expand that, if you want to sponsor us, like Steve Saxenian and the Saxenian family is doing currently, please reach out to us on any of our Twitter handles because we will. We do want to grow and have plans and ideas going forward for the rest of 2022 and in the future. Uh, as you see, we, we can do shows from events. James is at Petita Center. to existence. So, yeah, speaking to existence, make it happen. So contact us, and we will see you next week. Everybody, take care.